You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby here with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. And every week, we're going to be bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing what you love the most. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing, do you actually get out what you put into things? And does hard work always pay off? Does hard work always pay off? Man, this is a, a big one because we hear this so much. We get When we started talking about this, I kept coming back to this idea of hustle. And you hear that everywhere. You got to hustle, hustle. I think Gary Vee made it uh, really popular in the idea. I actually believe he actually wrote a book about it, about hustling. And all you got to do is Google the word hustle and you get just quote after quote about hustle. People love that, you know, you know, hustle until your haters ask if you're hiring, hustle and grind, rise and grind, you know, all the different uh, hustle and grind topics that are out there. And like the two that come to my mind all the time are Gary Vee and Grant Cardone. And I think you and I have talked about both of those guys. Both of those guys have some great content. I like Grant's a little more, but you also have to sometimes do those guys in doses. Definitely have to do those in doses and hustling is kind of on trend right now. I've got like a little sign on the front of my desk and it says every day I'm hustling. But now when I think about hustling, I just, it actually makes me think, get kind of tired. I'm like, man, (laughs) how long you want to hustle, you know? So I actually think hustling is good in the beginning. Right. And so, um, like we were kind of discussing this before we actually got on to record, but you know, there's, there's this concept of, of 10,000 hours and kind of that thing. And so hustling, I think in the beginning is always good because you actually, you got to find your way first. You got to figure out, do you know what you're doing? Uh, you know, you got to put the hours in, you got to put the road, you got to put, you know, hours in on the road in order to, to become the best and do those things. And so I think for sure, hustling is a really good part of the journey. But also if you don't hustle, you know, when I think of hustle too, I think of that, you know, whatever, whatever it takes attitude can do attitude, pushing, always pushing forward to get something done. And so when you talk about hustle, I think there's a lot of different definitions in there that you can use from it. And so hustling just for the sake of hustling is not good. I don't want to be that hamster on the hamster wheel, but hustling and the fact of like, I will do whatever it takes to get something done, I think is really kind of the key point to pull from like the hustle. Yeah. And even Gary V, I just uh, caught a video of him the other day. He was, somebody had asked him, you know, how much do you sleep? You know, cause they're making the assumption because he's always talking about hustling that he's only sleeping two to three hours a day. And the guy that he was talking to was super surprised to hear that he sleeps seven to eight hours a night. I think we have this mentality of like, you know, you just, you gotta be putting in those 20, 20, you know, you know, 20 hour days uh, to get where you want. And while I think there's seasons to that, I mean, there's definitely times where I choose that 
I need to put in a couple 18 hour days or, you know, we really need to focus, you know, maybe work through the weekend because we're trying to accomplish something. Maybe we're, you know, putting a new process in place or opening a new office. And so there are times where that's required, but I think just because you're saying you're working hard, you're hustling. I think sometimes in society that comes across the wrong way and that it's, you don't do anything else. You, you know, you're sacrificing sleep, you're sacrificing your time because this is all that matters. Yeah. And then when you're hustling, are you actually just working, doing busy work? Or are you actually getting something accomplished? And so that's the, the number one question we're asking on this podcast, right? So do you actually get out what you put in? What say you? Well, for me, it really made me think of when I was running the heating and cooling company uh, during the last days of that company's existence. And um, for a long stretch of time, you know, we weren't making any money in the, in the business itself, but yet I was working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week in that business. And then because we weren't making money, I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to make money? And so for me, back in those days, there was a time where I was literally working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week in the heating and cooling business. And then I was building furniture. Uh, I used to do a lot of woodwork. I was building furniture, like shelves and cabinets, things like that for this local store. And we were putting them in that, you know, I was selling them to the store. And so in essence, I basically had, you know, like two full-time jobs, And so that was a period of my time where I said I probably worked harder than I'd ever worked, but I think it had more to do with the stress level and I was just exhausted. Not necessarily, you know, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It was hard. It was hard work, but, you know, but if we go back to the question of, you know, do you, does your hard work always pay off or do you get out what you put in? I would say, no, I wasn't getting out what I was putting in relative to the effort that I was putting in. So you got to really focus on, I think when it comes down to a lot of the times is getting focused on what are the right things that you need to actually be doing, right? And so I can be doing a lot of work, but I can be doing the work in the wrong areas of if it's your business and your business or in your life and in your life. And so if you don't know what actually moves the needle. So a lot of times what I like to do is sit back and think what actually gets me the most results from the actions that I take. And so once I figure out what those actions are, then those are the actions that I really want to focus on and start putting my time into. And so if the things that actually move the needle on what you do, and so that, for instance, for myself as a realtor, one thing that I've got to be really, really good at, and we both have to be good at is having conversations with people and like driving conversations in where we want them to go in order to help people. But a lot of times you can call people and talk to them and you can spend a lot of time on the phone because everybody says you need to be on the phone. You need to be talking to people. Well, I can talk to people all day, but if I'm not talking to them about what actually matters and what I can help them with, then it's going to be a lot of time wasted. So then like the time that I'm putting in is not what I want to get out. Well, that goes to, you know, when we talk about putting in the hard work, you you have to back that up. It's not, you're right. It's about having the correct conversation. So it's about being prepared for the correct conversation, which typically means knowing what questions to ask. Because if we're going to, you know, and this goes, this is for any industry, but if we, you know, if we're talking to people and we want 
to help them with real estate, we need to have questions in place that are going to gear that conversation to that. And so you have to be prepared. And so there's a lot of prep work into those conversations where I think, you know, some of the best agents that I've seen aren't, you know, quote unquote, your salespeople, or they don't have that natural gift of gab. And I think early in my real estate career, it was easy for me to talk to people, but I didn't really know what to talk to them about until I really started to hone in on what do I need to talk to people about. And so I see people that aren't necessarily great, you know, quote unquote, salespeople, or they don't, they don't think of themselves in that regard, have become great agents because they know what to say, they know what questions to ask, and they're really good at listening. They know what questions to ask, they know how to ask them and how to, how to say them. That's what I see from most of the folks that I see that are successful. And then one of the ways that we do that is is through role playing, right? And so you role play those situations and you uh, get really, really good at talking to people about different situations and objections that are going to come up because everybody's going to have objections that to whatever you're talking about, why they should do something, why they shouldn't do something. But as you continue to role play those things, you get really, really good at it. And I think that's where this whole 10,000 hours thing comes in. So, you know, Malcolm Gladwell came out with this premise that it takes 10,000 hours to be proficient at something. But um, the, obviously the more hours that you spend doing something, the better that the better at that thing you get. And I think the reason why you get better at it is because you can start to predict what's going to come next, right? And so you want to put that work in. And then as you become proficient, you start to see what's going to come next. And then once you get to that point where you figure out what's to come next, then you can start to kind of venture out and start to make it your own after that. Yeah. It's definitely about, you know, putting in the time on the front end. Yeah. So when you're talking about role playing, like, what does that mean? Like you, like a couple times a month, you're working with another agent or, you know, break that down. You know, when you're talking about something as simple as, a conversation with the buyer, how much time and effort are you putting into making sure that you, you know, know what to say and that you can expect what they're possibly going to say? Yeah. So when we say role play, you know, as an agent, what it means is you're putting yourself in different scenarios that you would be in normally during the day. And so for instance, that might be a scenario where I'm talking to someone who is trying to sell their house on their own. They're for sale by owner. And I want to talk to them about the benefits of listing with an agent. And so we would, I would have that conversation and you're practicing that conversation every single day, five, five times a week, you know, for at least 30 minutes to an hour every week. And so as you do that, you start to see patterns and things that are happening the same, I guess you could say the same objections keep coming up. And so uh, as those same objections keep coming up, you kind of know where things are going to go and you learn what that person is going to actually need. Right. And so as I talk to, as I do this every day with my role play partners, I learn what a for sale by owner needs every day. And so I start to craft my message towards that person and then uh, start to show them the value of kind of what, what it takes to why you would want to list with an agent. And then as I do that, like every day I get better and better and better, better at that. And so I, I start steering the conversation to where it needs to go uh, in order to help them make a decision on if that's something they'd like to do or not something they would like to do. But when you first start out, 
it's like very, very hard. So someone might ask you a question and they say, you know, for instance, one of the, the question, one of the statements is like, well, if I pay you, like, how am I going to make more money if, by selling my house? And so if that was your very first time answering that question, you might have no clue what to say. But if you've answered that question 1000 times before that question is asked by someone who actually needs to sell their house or is a for sale by owner, then you're going to know what to say. Yeah, for sure. And I think this goes, you know, it's not just in real estate, it's kind of across the board as humans, we're kind of creatures of habit. So if you look at, you know, I don't know the exact number, but when you're talking with a buyer, when you go through like the objections, you know, basically you can almost predict what most buyers are going to say now, you know, there's the same four or five objections and in the big picture thing, there's probably 10 or 11 objections that you are going to get from a buyer uh, because people sell on their house or I mean, people that are, you know, looking to buy a house, they have the same issues. It comes down to, um, you know, being creatures for habit. Like it makes me think of, if you look at most families dinner routine, you know, it's the, so many times it's the question, Oh, what's for dinner? You know, you hear that all the time. Um, it's like almost a question I just despise. And at the end of the day, most families, I think it's been said they have like six or seven different meals, like in their circle of meals. And you just get into that, you know, so what's for dinner? Well, there's only six answers to that question right now in our life. And so I think that goes for most anything. Um, you know, there's only so many things you have to learn. So it's, you know, you hear a lot of times you hear the argument from other agents, you know, you know, I don't want to have to memorize the answer because I want it to be me. I want it to be natural. And well, the only reason you're memorizing the, you know, the answer or learning the answer is because it's the right answer. And that's what you want to do for that buyer. And you need to give the buyer the confidence that you're the agent for them by giving them the right answer and not just winging it. 100%. And so, like you said, this is one reason why I like jujitsu so much because it gives me like the ability to physically work out kind of what we're talking about like this is kind of like a mental part of it, but like in jujitsu, you can physically do it. So in jujitsu, there's only a certain number of positions. There's a finite number of positions and a finite number of, of uh, submissions really in chokes and however you're going to submit someone. And so like when you get in certain situations, but there's an infinite number of like transitions to get into those positions but like, as you learn, like what those certain positions are, you start to become familiar with what's going on. And the way you do that is you continually train those positions over and over and over and over again. And then as they come up, it kind of becomes a part of who you are. And so it's the same way, you know, with these things as well. So like, as you say, like, there's only a certain number of answers. And a lot of times you're like, I don't, I want it to seem like it's me well, you have to get really good at like the foundational things, the um, fundamentals of how things work. And then once you have those fundamentals down, then you can start to move on to like getting creative. And so that's kind of what like Robert Greene talks about in his book of mastery. It's almost goes in a line with uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. I'm sure they probably got their concepts from the same studies, 
But basically what he says is like, you have this beginning point where you have to get really, really good at something. And so what I think of is like that 10,000 hours thing, you do it over and over and over again. And then once you have the foundations and the fundamentals down so well, now you can start to transitioning into like making it your own. Then you start to become an expert at something and it becomes like an, an art is what I would say. And so what I think of it as is like you do the fundamentals so much that it's kind of like a science. The basics and the concepts are like a science. You know what you have to do in order to get a certain result. But then to become a master of it, that's when it becomes like art. If that, you know, kind of like now you can start to make it your own where people say like, you're the Michael Jordan of something, or you're the LeBron James of something, you know, that's how, where that starts to come in. Once you get past the foundations and the fundamentals, you do them so well that you like, you know, you start to become the master of something. Yeah. So kind of to bring it back to this idea of, you know, do you get what you put in or does hard work always pay off? So the front end of when you're taking on a new task or a new role is going to require hard work. But it comes back to, in my opinion, I'm not exactly sure where I heard this, but you can work hard and not succeed. And I've proven that, but you cannot succeed without working hard. And that's the one I'm proving as well right now. Yeah, no matter what you do in order to become the best at something, which is always my goal whenever I'm doing something, like I don't just want to do it. When I do it, I want to be the best at it. And so in order to do that, it always, you're exactly right. It always requires hard work. And so, but I think it has to be focused. Like you got to have focused hard work. You got to have, be focused on what you're looking at and know that you're getting the results that you want. Because yeah, if you're just working, I just see that hamster wheel just spinning and spinning and spinning. Like I can run hard on that thing, but I might not be going anywhere at all. You know, you, I want to kind of back up to this idea where you said you always want to be the best at something. So how do you, how do you wrestle with, or how do you get through the idea of that you want to be the best at something, but you can't be the best at everything you do? And what I mean by that is, you know, you have a lot of different roles. You have, you know, uh, you're a realtor. Uh, so then now you have to present yourself for your clients. You know, you have their fiduciary responsibility. Uh, you're a, you know, a dad, uh, you have a relationship with Christ. You have, uh, you know, you're a husband. Uh, so how do you become, you know, how do you lay out the, I want to be the best at all of these? Cause you know, the whole premise behind our podcast is that we want to have success without sacrifice, but you cannot put in all the hours it takes to be the best at every one of those things. It's like a really, like, it's like a really, really good question. And so I think the key point is knowing what the best actually is. And so, and then knowing what you want to get out of something. And so when I think of being the best, being the best does not mean I'm number one, right? Uh, for instance, being the best, let's use the best realtor, for example. I want to be the best realtor that Jacoby can be. And so but the best realtor that Jacoby can be doesn't necessarily mean I'm the number one, I'm number one in sales in my town or for my company or whatever that is. So being the best could mean that I'm the 50th best realtor in my town. But the question is, am I doing the best for my abilities? Am I doing the best for the potential that I have? And so, um, 
the one way I gauge that is one, one easy way I gauge it is I just, at the end of the day, I just ask myself and look in the mirror and say, did I, did I do the best today with what I was given? Sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no, you know, sometimes I, I'm not as good with my time as I should be. And so that's kind of what I, what I, that's what I mean when I say the best, you know, it's not necessarily looking at something and saying I'm number one on the scorecard because depending on the situation, I may not be able to be number one that day, but I can give my best and be the best for what I was given in that day. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And kind of what led me in that direction was the idea of we have the seven domains of our life, the, you know, what Kevin Ward teaches or, you know, he, we picked up from his coaching and he talks about there's seven domains in your life that you have, that you're responsible for. So one, your feelings, like what is the, your emotional, um, you know, your emotions, your emotional strength, your emotional well-being. Uh, you have friends and family, so that's your relationships with those around. You have your finances. Um, how are you handling the finances you have? But even uh, as a bigger picture than that, what oppor- what financial opportunities do you have, and are you going to take? You have your faith. Uh, that you know, for us, that's um, our relationship with Jesus. Focus, and this is kind of refocused on your goals and. I would say that's kind of the center of all of this and that you've got goals in all these areas. You have your fun, uh, pretty self-explanatory and your fitness, your health. And so if you take all those seven areas, uh, it's really hard to wrestle with, I want to be the best in all of those. Um, And so it's, you know, you have to start looking at For me, it's, I have to start looking at my life kind of not in seven different boxes, but as a whole. And I find that I have seasons in all those times where if I, if I rate those where some are better than others, and that that's kind of a moving bar, that's a living and breathing kind of idea for me. Yeah, one of the concepts that I think about is I, I track my weight now. And so let's just talk. What's that? Because <laughs> you have to weigh in now, you never had to weigh in in your life. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, with with all the competitions I have coming up, I've got to, uh, I've got to have certain, yeah, got to be at a certain weight. So, but the thing I was actually talking with somebody about this the other day is what you have to concentrate on though, is the, so I track it on my fit on my Fitbit, right? And so it tracks your, I track my weight every single day. You know, sometimes they say, don't, track your weight every day because it's up and down. Well, that's exactly why I track it because it's up and down every day. Like I might weigh 228 pounds one day. And then the next day I might weigh 223, depending on how much I worked out. And so like, if you look at that from day to day, like it's up and down, up and down, up and down. But over time, what does that trend line look like? Is it trending up? Or is it trending down? And so that's kind of the thing I think is like, I think it's a law in like, in how we live, like, nothing is a straight line. It is, it's always up and down, up and down, up and down. And you're always compensating for what happens next. So if something's, you know, bad happens, you're going to correct it. And so when you correct it, like, let's just use it as an example of going up Well, you're the tick marker is going to go up. And then once you get there, you get kind of complacent and things come down again. And then you, you reevaluate, you change direction and you go up again. And so you're always going to have these ups and downs and you're always going to have this seesaw action. And so like one of the things I've really been cognizant of recently is just that 
know that there's going to be ups and downs. But the fact that the matter is, is like, I want to be trending up though. I don't want to be trending down in whatever I do. And so I think that's one thing to like really be thinking about as you look at your expectations and what you're going in is like, there is no balance essentially. Right. It's like, you're saying like you, you can either, you can focus when you focus on one thing, something else is going to suffer from that, but it should be expected. And so you just, you have to continuously be looking and reevaluating all these things. Absolutely. That also makes me think about in, I used to look at my goals or like if I had a, uh, let's say a, a finance goal of like, I want so much money in the bank. And when I get there, like I used to look at the goal as a destination. And so you think once you get there, everything's going to be the same that it was. And that's not the case, you know, like, uh, you know, I've got a goal to weigh X amount. And so when I get there, Oh, I made it. Now I don't have to think about it anymore. Well, that's not the case. And that goes for all the areas of your life. Uh, just because you get to something and you attain it through the work you're putting in, getting there is, you know, and I don't know what, however you want to break it down. Some people would probably say getting there is 10% of the effort and staying there is 90% of the effort. Or I'm sure some people probably say that's 50 50 or, you know, whatever the equation is. The whole point behind either of those statements are, you know, attaining the goal is part of it and that takes hard work but maintaining the goal is just as much hard work 100 percent. and so like the work is never done right so usually that's like where you have to come with reality and set your expectations it's like okay i'm gonna set this goal but when you get to the goal like it's not over so i already know that like once you get to the goal like there's more there's more work to be done after that and so I think that's one of the huge misconceptions with things is like, okay, I've set a goal, I'm going to hit it. And now I'm there. Well, you know, let's just use the example of health and fitness, you know, like, the goal is to help you become who you need to become in order to get to the goal. And so once you get to that goal, hopefully you've changed your patterns and uh, habits in order to maintain that. But if you only hit the goal, and you don't change your habits and like your mindset around those things, you will always fall back, which is why, you know, people always talk about diet. They say it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's kind of the new thing to say, because once you get to the goal, it's hard to maintain if you're not, if you haven't changed all of the underlying, you know, factors that are going to help you, you know, maintain that. And so like when you set a goal, yeah, the goal is there to help you become who you want to become in order to reach that goal which is why I think it's important to like set, I, will, I don't know if I'll say unrealistic goals, but like I would set unrealistic goals because by the time when you, once you get to them, either you, you accomplish them and then that's it, or you like don't accomplish it, but who you become and trying to accomplish it is just as good. So the goal is not really the point. The point is to help you reach where you need to go, you know? And so I think that's like a really important concept to think about. I remember thinking when I was like, I was probably 13 or 14 years old that um, when I was working on my relationship with Christ, I thought there was a point that I would have the a, the perfect relationship with Christ. Like there was going to be a point that I didn't have to continue to strive at having that really having that type of relationship. And then, um, but now here I am 50 and I'm still striving for that better relationship with Christ. So it's not something that 
when you talk about, you know, unattainable goals or unrealistic goals. So it's, a, you know, a goal to have a great relationship, but am I ever going to get to where I feel like, Oh, I made it. And that probably that's not going to be the case in, in that particular instance. Yeah. Whenever I became a, like, I don't know what I'll say, like became a Christian, but like following and seeking Jesus, I was like, Oh, my life will be like so easy, like no problems. <laughs> I won't have any more problems or anything else. And then like, I like committed to this relationship. And then I'm like, Oh, life is not, not easy anymore. And as a matter of fact, it might even possibly be harder, <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's like, we have this, it's just human nature. We have this, this misconception that like the grass is greener on the other side, or like it's going to be better. And we like tell ourselves these things. And that's why we dream about wanting that. And then we get there and we're like, Oh, this isn't what I thought it was. Like you hear like stars, like Hollywood stars, or you hear like famous athletes say that all the time. Like once they have made it in a sense, it's like the money they made doesn't matter. Like everything is still literally the same, you know, a few necessities might not be like on the table anymore is like knowing where your next meal is going to come from. But under underlying underneath that, like who you are as a human is like still there. Like you still have this longing for something. So I think to kind of just break it down and make it clear as far as how I look at it is you definitely have to work hard but you have to know what you're working hard towards. You have to have some clarity on what you, what you're trying to attain, where you're headed. And if without that clarity, you can work as hard as you want, um, but you're not going to get to where you want to be because you don't have clarity on where you want to be. And that goes for anything, whether it's your weight, your fitness, your finances, your relationships, you have to have, clarity on where you're going so you know that the work you're putting in is taking you where you want to be because it's really easy just to work hard Uh, I can go to the office every day and work hard and at the end of the day not be any closer to my goal when it comes to my company that's exactly right and so I was talking to uh we've got like a new agent that I'm working with and training and we're kind of going through goals goal setting and what do you want and those sorts of things and so as I'm as I'm talking to him, when I see it in my head, it's like, I'm like, well, what do you want? And like, what do you want to do? And what is, you know, asking like specifically what these numbers are. And when you talk to people, they, a lot of times they haven't thought that through or haven't thought through that. And so whenever I do that, if I don't know what I want, I, to me, it's just like that hamster on the hamster, hamster wheel. Like you are literally going nowhere because you never know when you've gotten to the point where you need to be. You have no gauge as to how to determine if you, if you are successful, if you're not being successful, if you just kind of leave it out there, your, your, your mind wants something to hold on to. And if you don't uh, set those parameters, then you will not, you won't attain anything. Your mind just goes to exactly what you give it. And so if you just say, as a good example, I just want to make more money. Well, if you make $1 more, by definition, that's more money, you know, but if you, if you put a specific number on that and you know what that is, then you can, you know, gauge where you're at and that's in anything. Yep. And again, I want to come back to, you know, 
the statement, because this kind of wraps it up in my head, is you can work hard and not succeed, but you cannot succeed without working hard. And the, you know, how you're going to get that is making sure you have some clarity on where you're headed to. So we are going to take a quick break and for our segment called Time to Invest, where Jacoby is going to enlighten us on something awesome when it comes to investing in real estate. Hey, everyone, want to welcome you to the feature here, Time to Invest. And I want to talk to you a little bit about exit strategy. And so anytime you're investing, one of the top things you need to think about is your exit strategy anytime you're investing in anything, actually. So what I mean by exit strategy is what are you going to do with your investment once everything is all said and done with? And so you have to know how you're going to exit any investment. Uh, one of the things I'll say is like I, I've been looking around because I've been looking at a lot of businesses and then also as, as I am investing in real estate, always in real estate, you think about what your exit strategy is. And so for myself, usually I am, my strategy has been in the past to add value to properties by rehabbing them. So I rehabilitate a property, add value to it. And then the exit strategy is either to sell it or to, you know, lease it out. And so I have to know that whenever I purchase something that the um, mortgage, for instance, if I'm going to lease something out, I have to know that the mortgage is going to be low enough that the rents that I get in will cover all expenses and will cover the um, price of the mortgage as well. So expenses and the price of the mortgage. And then if I'm going to sell it, I have to know that the value of the property when I get done fixing the property up is going to be greater than what it actually cost me to acquire and to purchase the property. So that's what we mean by exit strategy. And then uh, one of the other things I've been looking at, because we've been evaluating some businesses as well to possibly purchase businesses. And when we're talking to a few of these owners, a lot of times they are uh, mom and pop owners of businesses. So they just, they were working and then they started a business, but they never, a lot, most of these individuals that you talk to, they never have thought about how they were going to exit their businesses, how they were going to be done with their business. Were they going to sell it? Were they just going to just close the doors and just dissolve everything? Really, it's never even a thought. So anytime you're investing in anything, you always, always want to be thinking about your exit strategy. If you go into a partnership with people, you want to be thinking about your exit strategy. What happens if one person passes away? What happens if one person doesn't want to be a part of the partnership anymore? How do you, number one, extract them from the business that you have? Are they going to, you know, give you the shares of the company? Are you going to purchase those from them? That needs to all be walked out. And so whenever you start an investment, whenever you start at the beginning, you always have to have the end in mind. What is your exit strategy? And so that's the concept here for this feature is always have an exit strategy, always know what that exit strategy is. And for myself, I always like to have multiple exit strategies because things never happen how you think they're going to happen. Even with this COVID thing, no one had COVID on their business plan. And so if you have multiple exit strategies, 
or an investment that you have is so good that you can employ multiple exit strategies is always the best way to go. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed this and get back to the rest of the show. Well, welcome back. And today was a great conversation on hard work. Do you get out what you put in and does hard work always pay off? And then we kind of broke down a little bit of what hard work looks like to us and how we feel uh, you're going to get hard work to pay off. Today, we talked about the book Mastery by Robert Greene and talking about that 10,000 hours uh, to be proficient. And that also goes along the lines of the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. The other thing you can do, and I found some humor in this, is I just Googled uh, hustle or hustle quotes, and you can get page and page and pages of quotes about hustle. And some of them are comical, but some of them really could speak to you. Uh, And so really appreciate you listening to us. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, uh, the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. Please go ahead and like that. One last thing, if you could leave us a five-star written review, that would be greatly appreciated. Again, we love that you guys are checking us out. Um, Make sure that you're leaving some comments. Uh, And go ahead and share the podcast with somebody you think might love to hear it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. So you get notification of all new episodes.